Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of My Old Kentucky Podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me this week is nobody. I am by myself this week. Jasmine told me with plenty of time that she was not going to be able to join me on this show this week, but that did not matter. I did not do a good job of getting a co-host, and you are stuck with just me this week. There's another week coming up where she's not going to be here too. If I don't have a guest for that one, then I'm in really big trouble. I will have really had failed you guys in, in the show. But I am by myself this week. I'm going to do my best to bring you all the news that there is to bring in Kentucky government of politics this week. That means we're going to be talking about the special elections that took place yesterday. Today is November the 3rd. There were some special elections that took place on November the 2nd. We're also going to talk about a lawsuit, the first lawsuit featuring one of the protesters from 2020's uh, you know, racial protests that occurred during much of this year, much of last year regarding Breonna Taylor. So we're going to talk about that. We are also going to talk a little bit about redistricting. There are a few stories in the media about that this week. And then we're going to finish up with a COVID update. So without any further ado, I did also want to first do a show check-in. So yes, I'm by myself this week. No Jasmine. And also we haven't done a lot of interviews lately. I understand that. I think it's been like about a month since we did one, but that's going to be changing very soon. The next set of people we want to talk to are the Louisville mayoral candidates and really the Lexington mayoral candidates as they sort of, sort of start to emerge. We've got interviews lined up for several of the folks running in Louisville already. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to bringing those to you. Uh, really, I mean, I think we've got a good field of candidates, lots of different, a diverse set of views on the Democratic side, uh, lots of different types of people, lots of different visions for what the city should look like in the next four years. So I'm going to be really excited to talk, be talking to those people. We're going to be very excited to bring them to you. So that's going to be happening very soon. We also uh, we want are definitely going to schedule uh, interviews as well as we can with all the candidates for the third congressional district here in Louisville as well. I do think uh, it's likely, or I guess possible, that the field develops a little bit further from Morgan McGarvey and Atticus Scott, the two people who are already running. Um, you know, we've talked to both of them multiple times, so I think we'll be able to talk to them. Or at least I hope that we'll be able to talk to them. And if there's more people that, that get into the race, then we'll be talking to them as, them as well. Like I said, I think it's possible, but it, it could also be the case that that you know those two are the only two that are running. And if that's the case, we'll talk to them only. We're also going to be mixing in legislative candidates throughout. There's already a lot of people who've declared their intent to run. But of course, that all kind of depends on the redistricting conversation that we're going to have later in the show. So just wanted to do a little check-in about the show with you guys uh, because it was a little bit of a lighter week. So uh, there, there you go. That's what we're going to be doing in the next little bit. So let's get to talking about the special elections. So Republicans swept the three legislative uh, special elections that took place on Tuesday. I, that was expected. That All three of those seats were, were safe Republican seats. Each seat, though, was one with Republicans getting about 75% of the vote. Uh, Mesa Ramek, who was on the show, she, she did the worst of the three candidates. She got 22% of the vote. Uh, again, these were all very tough districts, you know, and, and it wasn't like a big spread. I think the, the, the high, highest performer was like 26 or 27%. So, so basically, the Democrats got totally swamped. Didn't bring home very much, if uh, much at all, of the vote. Another notable thing about this, these elections is that the state senator that's taking Tom Buford's place is Dr. Donald Douglas, and he's going to be the first black Republican in the legislature that really I, I can remember. Uh, he joins Reggie Thomas and Gerald Neal as black people in the state Senate. So that I thought was notable as well. Of course, you know, and uh, making the lens a little bit wider, Democrats had a rough night altogether. They lost the Virginia governorship. Uh, the New Jersey governorship was was very close. Um, you know, I don't even think it's been decided yet. It's it's uh, Wednesday at six thirty, and yeah, you know, I, the governor elect of Virginia really won by centering education issues, especially you know the critical race theory thing that we've been talking about quite a bit. 
uh, has faced many school districts in Kentucky. And the night of the election, Jason Nemes tweeted, quote, the suburbs were loud tonight against candidates who said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what to teach. Wrong. These are our kids in our schools, not the republics. No candidate who misunderstands this can win suburbs where elections are now decided, unquote. So, you know, I think that kind of argument is in bad faith. I, I don't... Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I, I don't think that there's a lot of true grievance in, in that conversation. But the thing is, this issue is definitely coming to Kentucky because it resonated so strongly in Virginia. And, you know, I think that that's an issue that's clearly resonates with the electorate. So no matter what I think of it or what we think of it, like, we have to deal with it because it's something that really resonates with people, no matter how ridiculous we think it is. And that's kind of where the electorate is. And we have to win with the electorate that exists, not the one that we wish we had. So what does all of this mean? I think it's really hard to make broad proclamations based on special elections. But, you know, the 89th was up for a special election in 2018. And Democrats did substantially better. I really think that this means that the electorate is certainly not trending towards Democrats. And that suburban areas and smaller cities might be open to voting for Republicans when Trump's not on the ballot. While, you know, the drop-off from less engaged rural voters who came out for Trump might not be that steep. You know, if you, if you split the Republican Party into really, like, two groups, the people who are like, uh, gross Donald Trump, and the people who are really in on Donald Trump, you know, I think you saw a lot of the, ooh, gross Donald Trump people really kind of come home this election, and a lot of the people who are really fired up about Donald Trump still come out to vote. So that's not great for Democrats. Uh, it's going to require quite a bit of an adjustment. And, 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 you know, it's not to be unexpected, Whoever is in the White House, their party typically has a tougher time in the legislative elections all the way down the ballot. And that's been true for as long as I've been paying attention to politics. So D Democrats, you know, at the end of the day, I think we have to work to heal the whole brand. The candidates in these three races ran very, very different campaigns. You know, you had the Senate candidate that ran uh, in, in, a, in a seat that actually included a little bit of, of Fayette County. And, and she ran as a pro-life, pro-grown Democrat. And, and then Mae Surmac, who, you know, we talked to, she she ran as an unashamed progressive, you know, a, a very progressive person in the mold of, like, Attica Scott. And, and both lost really badly. It didn't seem to matter. I mean, if you really think that, you know, 27% is substantially better than 22%, then I guess that is a little bit different, but I, I don't think it's that much different. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it really matters too much where candidates stand on issues, at least in these kind of special electrics. And, and I think Democrats really need to do work with the electorate. People have to, you know, they, they clearly aren't open to the message of Democrats. And, and we have to do what we can to get our message out there, to start getting people receptive to the message, and, and really building those deeper relationships with, with the electorate. Tonight is bad for Democrats across the board, but there is a full year to adjust before the midterm elections. And, and I think that we have to to figure out the best way to deal with a lot of the arguments that are, are, are coming. We can already see what they're going to say. You know, uh, they kind of showed their hand a little bit yesterday. Ryan Quarles also had a tweet about critical race theory and, and, and you know, education issues around masking and stuff like that. Those are going to be the arguments that Republicans are making throughout the next year. I think that those arguments are in bad faith. And I, I, I just, I'm going to say that. They're in bad faith. But, but the thing is that they resonate. They very clearly resonate with the electorate. And, and we have to respect that. We have to respect the fact that people are willing to vote on those issues. And we have to do what we can to convince those people not to think that anymore. Of course, the flip side of that is we also have to work on turnout. 
Um, you know, we have to do both of those things in, in parallel. If you convince somebody to change their vote from Republican to Democrat, that's worth twice as much as convincing somebody who hadn't voted to come vote. But the thing is, like, that's both of those are very, very important things, and we have to do them in conjunction. Kentucky is a very, very deep red state. We have a very, very Republican lean, and we aren't going to win without doing both of those things. So that is all I have to say about the special elections. The next thing I wanted to talk about was the lawsuit fa uh, facing one of the protesters from the 2020 protest. So, you know, of course, 2020 was a year of protest in Louisville. We talked about it extensively. Hundreds of people were arrested in the Breonna Taylor protests. Most protesters had their charges dismissed, but not everybody. And the first trial for one of those people occurred this week. So, so Ted Schaus, who's been on the show, he was the attorney for the defendant. The defendant participated in the Nulu protests last year, which called on businesses in that area, which is kind of like, you know, east downtown Louisville. Um, and it called on those businesses to hire more black people and to more, do more to support the black people who used to live in the area. That was an area of significant development. I think kind of like in the early, late 2000s and early 2010s, um, and it really may be mid-2000s through the early 2010s. Um, and it, it used to be, I, I think there were some, some substantial like housing projects that were there. Uh, you know, before that, Clarksdale was, was one of them. Those were torn down, and, and what replaced them were high-rent restaurants, shops, etc. Um, and it's really grown up and, and become kind of a high-rent district in downtown Louisville. And, and those protesters were there to say, you know, you need to do more to support the black people who, you know, they say were displaced from that area. Uh, and to do more to hire more black people. So anyways, the, the accusations were that the, that the defendant had obstructed a highway and also that they uh, had participated in an unlawful assembly. So those were the charges that were levied against the protester. The case was actually dismissed very shortly after it started. And the reason was that the prosecution did not provide all the evidence to the defense. If Jasmine were here, she would give a better explanation about why that's super, super bad. But yes, they moved and dismissed all of those charges because of that, the Jefferson County Attorney's Office said that it was inadvertent that they did that. But, you know, this is another black eye for, uh, you know, a, a criminal enforcement structure that has really not had a lot of uh, good press over the past couple of, you know, years, I guess, or, you know, for a long time. We didn't get to see any testimony from the police or anybody else. And I think that's kind of a downside of having this dismissed. It's good for the protester. I, you know, very good that their, their charges were dismissed. But, but from, you know, uh, from our perspective, I was kind of interested to see, you know, what Ted Schaus was going to ask uh, the police officers and the different people uh, who are involved in the, the enforcement of the laws here. You know, he's going to ask them some, some tough questions, I thought, and I was, I was interested to see what those were going to be. But Ted Schaus is the lawyer for several of the other protesters. Uh, his case that he, you know, he did get to give his opening statement, and his case seemed to be that the police had crafted a narrative about the protesters ahead of time and tried to apply that logic to, to every protester that they arrested, regardless of what they actually did, without actually arresting those people for anything specific related to their own actual actions. So, you know, we didn't get to see any of that questioning happening in this trial, but I think we will soon because Ted Schaus is on a few more of these trials. So, good news for that protester. Uh, and that is just the first of what is probably several trials regarding um, the 2020 protests. Okay, the next thing I wanted to talk about are election maps and redistricting. And this is kind of because the Herald Leader published a story that said that there's still a possibility that Republicans are going to ask Governor Andy Bashir to call a special session to pass new election maps for the 2022 election. 
So the way that this is supposed to work is that every 10 years after the census comes out, you're supposed to redraw your legislative maps for both the United States Congress and for the, the state level of, you know, legislative branch, the, the House and Senate. There's been some difficulties with that because, you know, the, the census was, I think, maybe a little bit delayed. I don't know if it was actually delayed in terms of when it was released, but, you know, the census was a little bit controversial this time with COVID um, and Donald Trump's Commerce Department. But, uh, you know, they were supposed to draw a map and, and have it ready for elections taking place in 2022. Damon Thayer, the senator from Georgetown, he's, he's quoted as saying that they're still working on the maps. But they might want to have a session late in November or early in December. And, and if there is no special session, the, the thing is that the deadline to file for office is only three days after the legislature begins. That means that either the filing deadline will need to be moved or that the current maps are going to be uh, going to need to be used again. Uh, it's not super clear to me whether or not using the old maps is legal. I've heard a lot of rumors about them, you know, an interesting interpretation of the law regarding being able to use those maps for 2022. But I understand, you know, as I understand it, that that is an option that's being discussed by the Republicans who are in charge of this entire situation. My, I will say my sources on the Republican side are significantly thinner uh, than they are on, on the Democratic side, so I don't know really what I'm talking about. I'm just mostly guessing. If there are new maps, the, the way that this is going to work is that the eastern part of the state is going to lose a few seats. Those counties lost a significant amount of population. The areas of largest growth on a percentage basis were Warren, Boone, and, and several of the ones that ring Louisville and Lexington. So that's Scott, Shelby, Spencer, Oldham, Madison, Anderson, and Bullitt. Um, the counties with the largest total population growth in terms of people were Jefferson, that actually grew by 40,000 people, and Fayette, that grew by 27,000 people, and Warren, that grew by 20,000 people. But really, what matters is the distribution of seats versus your population. And I think it's likely that the newer seats are going to have to be uh, either you know on the border between Louisville and some of these ring counties or in these ring counties themselves. So it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Uh, I think mostly all of the... I will say that the seats that are being lost are solid Republican seats in eastern Kentucky. <sighs> or at least like trending away from Democrats. And the seats that are going to be created in these ring counties are areas of growth for Democrats. I, I think that they'll certainly start out as solid Republican seats the first time that we run the this map. If the population trend continues in the way that it's been going for the past couple decades, that these seats will be competitive by the end of the decade. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and really, you know, I don't really know what the Republicans are going to come up with in terms of these maps. Um, that is something that we will see you know, either in a special session coming up here at the end of the month, the beginning of the next month, or at the beginning of uh, 2022 with an extended filing deadline. So that's what we've got to say about election maps. Okay. And the last thing I wanted to talk about today is COVID. So COVID cases continue to decline in Kentucky, but the rate of decline has come down substantially. So looking at two weeks ago on Tuesday and last Tuesday, Cases declined 20%. So that, that was pretty good. We were looking pretty good then. But then last Tuesday and today, cases declined by only 10%. So that's less than half of the decrease. So while things are still decreasing, things are still going in the right direction, but they're only going half as good in the right direction as they were just a week ago. 
So that basically just means it's going to be a while before we're back to the place where we were in the summer. And that's kind of too bad, but, you know, it's where we are. There are 45 red counties where cases exceed 25 cases per 100,000 population. 10 counties are yellow. Uh, that's 1 to 10 cases per 100,000. So I think last week we actually had 12 counties that were yellow and 50 counties that were red. So it's just a more orange map. So it's, you know... We're just we're just a very orange state right now. And of course, orange is 10 to 25 cases. In Louisville, we saw cases drop to 981. That's the first week with fewer than 1,000 cases since July 24th. That's pretty good. Uh, cases continue to drop substantially in Louisville, even while the state seems to have plateaued a, a pretty good amount. So, so that's good for, for those of us in, in Louisville. Deaths are decreasing across Kentucky. So we are down to do, between... 24 and 30 deaths per day, and that's down from a high of, of 40 to 45 per day. That was in late September, early October. That's when our peak was. So our deaths have, in fact, come down quite a bit. But, but 24 to 30 deaths a day, that's a lot. You know, that's a lot of people dying every day, and, and that is not where we want to be. We want deaths to continue to go down. It does seem like they're on a downward trend right now. They haven't really plateaued. They're kind of starting to accelerate a downward trend, so I hope that that keeps up. It was a very rough week for vaccinations. So our daily average of vaccines is dipping below 2,000 new vaccines per day. And, and then that's bad news. And then, of course, the worst news is that we had what the state is calling a correction to remove duplicates in the data of people that we have vaccinated. And that dropped us from about 63% of the population that we thought had at least one shot down to 57. So that's 6% of the population which uh, was duplicated. That's 230,000 people removed from the data. That's very, very bad. That's a huge, huge correction and terrible news for our vaccination effort. We, you know, I felt like, you know, I was feeling pretty, I, I wasn't feeling good, but I was feeling like, you know, we, we have something to be proud of here. We're, we're above 60% and we dropped like a rock. 230,000 people erased from the data. The average daily hospitalizations are down to 930. That's dipped below 1,000 this week for the first time since August. So that's, you know, at least going in the right direction. Um, so that's good. You know, it's it's definitely not a time now to let up on precautions for COVID. Um, things were looking like they were getting a lot better really recently. And I would say the news is still good. We're still going in the right direction. We're coming down from this high but the news isn't as good as it was. And we are we are in danger absolutely of having this turn around on us. And nationally, the plateau is very real. Cases are increasing in a lot of places across the country in the in the kind of western middle of the country. If you you know kind of start in the Dakotas or Montana and, and come straight down through like Iowa and Colorado down into like, you know, West Texas and New Mexico and stuff like that. So so that's kind of where COVID's the worst right now. Um, and, and while our cases are, are still continuing to get better, the countries have really plateaued. And, you know, unless we get a lot more people vaccinated, you know, we're in danger of having this turn around on us again. So so be careful. Don't let up on your precautions. Be safe. Do what you can uh, to, to be as safe as you can. Uh, basically, everybody in Kentucky is eligible for the booster at this point. It's the, the, the booster regulations are from the federal government, and it doesn't seem like the state government is really into preventing people from getting the booster. I will say, say that I got my booster on Monday. I had time blocked off to work on the notes for the show on Tuesday, and I could not because I was down with some serious side effects. But it's Wednesday. I have felt fine all day. So, yes, 
you know, just like with the, the getting the vaccine the first time, there are the side effects that could happen to you. Body aches, chills, low-grade fever, headache. Those all happen to me, but you know what? One day and it was over, and now I'm I'm feeling good about not getting COVID anytime soon. So that's where we're at with COVID. Okay, thank you for bearing with me as I'm doing the show all by myself. That is the end of it. Uh, you know, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at my old KY Pod. You can find us at the podcast platform of your choice. I think we're on Instagram as well. And you can find all of the information about us at linktree.com slash my old KY pod. So yes, find all of our stuff there. Oh yes, and of course, it is no longer October. Uh, but thank you to all the people who supported us on Patreon through the month of October. We, we did the shirt giveaway, but we also give away sh- uh, stickers to all of the people who support us at, uh, you know, at, who give at least $5 lifetime. So, you know, if you're interested in getting a sticker, um, do that. We're going to schedule, we have some uh, soft commits for people to do the next Border Bonanza. So we'll see if we can get that scheduled sometime soon. That's exclusive for our uh, Patreon folks. And yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will see you again next week.